Hi everyone, how you all doing? I'm good. Hey Alex, what's up? Hey Sam, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Elaine, I can just see you dropping in there. How are you? Hey Alex, I'm literally in from a day of tanning. <laughs> it's been the best day ever. How's day 1162 of lockdown? <laughs> Alex, you know, you guys are fortunate enough to have been together when this lockdown was yeah. uh, enforced. Mm. You guys had the prospect of going away together in the first place, you know, whereas a lot of people yeah. obviously are not in that boat. In China, when the lockdown finished, there was kind of a surge in divorce applications. And we all know it's been well discussed that there'll be a baby boom. I actually got, I, I came out of a long-term relationship in, in the beginning of January. So it's been such a lovely time to just find me again and enjoy the little things and just I don't know just just yeah. live in my own little bubble one lovely thing about the dating world is that people are actually talking kind of a bit like love blind it's a, such a wonderful social experiment that yeah. like I've been chatting to a guy for 10 weeks now it may not go anywhere and that's that's fine but it's been lovely to get to know him and just not rush out dating or not get carried away with yourself. Before COVID, I don't think you'd speak to someone for 10 weeks without meeting up. So that's impressive. <laughs> that's very impressive. No. no, that would never happen that you speak to a person for that length without meeting them. Because they're only like, they're not too mm. far away and Ireland is small. Elaine, it probably feels more genuine that it's talking without any of the other stuff that, yeah, that comes with. Prohibits a, normal conversation. Yeah, like, yeah. People have moved from the texting and dating and now we're like voice messaging, Zooming um, and, and kind of connecting uh, like online. But yeah, like, would agreed. you kiss someone like in a pandemic? Would you though? Kissing someone almost becomes more poignant than telling someone you love them at this stage. Like, I'm trusting you now that if you give me coronavirus, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> The voices that you heard there are Alex, Darren, Sam and Elaine. They're talking about all parts of their life, what their summer has become because of the pandemic. They're, yes, they're grateful like all of us if they are healthy and their families haven't been touched, but all of their plans have been cancelled and their lives are turned upside down. Well, I think we can all learn some of those lessons from lockdown. And here with me now is chartered psychologist Alison Keating. Alison, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so good to see a human being. I know, isn't it? <laughs> we may be socially distanced. We ah. may have to disinfect mics take off masks put off gloves put on gloves put on off gloves how are we all doing how's the heads miss chartered psychologist no pressure sum up how our heads are honestly yeah melted yeah wrecked tortured shattered uh, frustrated shattered, frustrated and in the same breath there's a huge shift happening for people where they've kind of stepped back and gone whoa Okay, life pre-COVID was too much. I mean, we had anxiety, we had depression, we had all these, you know, normal kind of mental health issues mm. because our lives were so crazy busy. It's just a different type of, oh, I, don't know, I don't know what the right word would be, weirdness seems appropriate. Weirdness is good. Do you weirdness know, works. You know, what I'm seeing now is the anxiety dropped after we got used to the idea of what lockdown was. Yes. Um, and anxiety is always about 
uncertainty. So once people got over the initial shock of that um, and got into some level of a different type of routine, um, there was just very different scenarios going on. Like I'm sure, you know, everyone's heard the analogy that, you know, we were all in the same storm, but everybody was in different boats. And that's what I have seen. Good summary. I swear to God, like we have not all had the same experience. Um, From my perspective, and you have to remember, what I'm hearing is not everybody. It's skewed. Do you know, people are not coming to me saying, hey, Alison, I am having the best time ever. (laughs) True. Lockdown is amazing. So I have to remember, it's not a representation of everybody. There have been people who have been having fantastic banana making you know <laughs> time <Marathon> than running <laughs> they haven't having you know it has been good um but for other people the juggle has been immense so mm. when I look at anxiety I saw it drop in the middle it was like kind of like the nice trimester part in your pregnancy <laughs> you know where everything calms down after the sickness yes but now that we are literally fresh into some level of whatever you know life returning I'm not even going to use the new normal because it's just not true nothing's the same anymore no. and people are It's not just that they're afraid. It's like, I'm going forward, but I'm going backwards. Are you good with the phrase abnormal normal? Yes. I like that. That, like, my main work I do is is trauma. It's all about readjusting. And what we're having are normal reactions to abnormal situations. And that's what actually growing through traumatic, difficult, adverse situations are. So we, we are becoming resilient because of it. Once a huge shift happens in people's lives and they have to kind of get back to normal living, but everything has changed. The rug has changed. You know, nothing is the same. You're not the same. People aren't the same. Um, like I still, I gave my mom a hug the other day and I'm still kind of oh, like, oh, should I? I know. But I want to. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and everything, you're just a bit wary. Elaine. So she was online dating and she's, you know, she was out of a big relationship, a bit nervous about heading back into the dating world, but actually found it was quite surprising. I thought it was really representative of what I've been hearing for a very long time. Ah. People have been absolutely jaded of men and women of what dating had become. They were sick of it. Swipe left, swipe right, swipe right. Oh my God, like seriously, swipe off. <laughs> like it just, it, it made, it made people products. There was, it was such a depersonalization. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, you're talking to a person and suddenly you're chatting to someone and then they decide just to not bother coming back to you. I mean, people were being rejected, hurt, uh, only looked at based on how they, they looked. Um, we have taken some, because of lockdown, like two of the main issues people face on a date are sex and money. And they both got taken off the table. Yes. So like, say you went out and who pays for dinner or who gets the coffee or who buys the drink? Well, nobody, because we're going to sit at home. You're going to have your own <laughs> glass of wine or cup of tea or whatever the hell you're doing. And mm. it's just because people were at home and because of lockdown, when it was in, it, you know, it's this, that, that part where people were scared, people were actually connecting at a more real level. So you weren't talking about fluffy stuff. You were actually talking about what was going on around the world. So again, there was a sense of meaning. So people were having meaningful conversations that are intimate. 
that's what intimacy is actually about and and it's it was tricky for people because obviously it's that, that fun aspect <laughs> you know like I'll be back in a moment I'm going to the toilet like you know it's, it's just, not so glamorous when you're sitting on your bed and you get up to isn't. reveal a tracksuit bottom <laughs> like half you know the half of you is okay I mean I have absolutely done TV interviews so funny. <laughs> uh, during COVID with my slippers on and my tracksuit but looking okay on top <laughs> but yeah I loved hearing I love hearing that, is, that it's the same for guys as well as girls it um, is because you know what again I think men feel this awful pressure and like we could be going totally offside here but it's like how pornography has really impacted younger generations that guys feel this huge pressure to be this basically porn Porn star and the girl feels the same and you just have two normal people kind of feeling this huge sexual pressure to be I don't know porn stars um and a lot of times they actually are, are are having this physical connection. There's absolutely nothing wrong with sex. Sex is wonderful. Yeah. But without that actual connection, it felt hollow. And then if they got rejected, it felt even worse because it was actually like, oh, it's because we actually had crap sex. <laughs> Do you know? Or, 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 or even worse, like they just, they didn't like something about me. So it was so personal. Oh, it's horrible. It's just awful. tell someone. I always, it was my thing, no matter who it is, any friend, any family, to just tell the person politely no if yes. the answer is no. Yeah. And tell it the truth or a version of the truth. What yes. is wrong with that? Nothing. But so many people, and I'm really surprised her because I would be the exact same. Like, where's people's courage gone? And I think that's what kind of... And manners. The manners should be the basic thing. It's actually just treating people well. And what As you'd going like to on. be treated. Exactly. Simple. Well, what's been going on in dating has been really destructive. We as human beings, we're hardwired 100% mm. to be in a connective relationship. That's our goal in a very basic evolutionary. We're here to procreate, you know, (laughs) sounds ridiculous, but that's nature and that's the idea behind it. You might think you're having a great laugh having and going out and then just ending up doing whatever. It's empty. But Um, it's empty and it's about the connection. Actually, talking of which, I love that line that Alex said. uh, Actually, here. Kissing someone almost becomes more poignant than telling someone you love them at this stage. Like, I'm trusting you now. That if you give me coronavirus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, point, yeah. it's worth this. <laughs> the kiss is the most incredibly intimate thing there is. It's beautiful. It's a really beautiful thing. And I mean, I remember like... And it can be terrible, but it, oh, absolutely. It, the idea of it is beautiful. It really it working is. is beautiful. And when you like, I'm not being old school here, but when you actually, you know, connection is about vulnerability. Vulnerability is about talking about things that matter to you that you wouldn't tell the postman it's 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 getting to know someone and actually kind of sharing your hopes and your dreams and that takes time so when she was saying that they had 10 weeks it's amazing it's like going back to a slow love there's actually courtship you get to know each other and then guess what the actual sexual anticipation will build as well yes. because you'll be dying to see each other. Yes. Do you yeah, know? Of course. So of course. And then I go, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> From here on, how are people going to get to get it on? You know, let's say they do get together, but they don't know, they haven't been part of each other's isolation groups. How are they going to snog? I just think it's, it's we're in a very new world um, and there's no easy answer mm. because, you know, I mean, the likelihood of something coming back is is quite probable and psychologically it's easier to lock down once than it is to have freedom and then go backwards 
So, I mean, I think it's, it's, that's where people are like, do I go forward? Do I go back? Do we kiss? Do we, do we, do, do we go on a walking date or do we actually meet? It's all so brand new. Plenty. As if dating wasn't hard enough. I was about to say. Like seriously, for the love of God, yeah. as if it wasn't tough enough, yeah. we throw this I in. think you were going to get inundated with questions <laughs> on this. Um, one of the other things uh, that I, Sam talking about his long distance relationship. It's funny that you guys were saying about before how you could talk to someone for 10 weeks without meeting them, because uh, that's exactly how I met my girlfriend. And, uh, and this is before COVID and everything. Because uh, she lives in, in uh, up, up north, so um, she could only come down. And obviously, given the fact that she lives up north as well, that seems like added extra compl- complications. But you getting... have not seen her since lockdown, Sam. It's not one. No, 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 no. Not at all. I mean, it's, so it's that's been... like, what, 10 weeks? Yeah, it's been tough. You know, I mean, it's definitely strained the relationship, but that's given, it, you know, in a sense. Because if it's the same mundane stuff every single day, mm. uh, you know, obviously you have what you have in common, uh, whether it's music or movies or whatever it is. but you can only talk about that stuff so much yeah. until it's stuff becomes stale that and nothing new can come unless you've been together. Yeah. Or you like know, doing I, exciting things like even. Point. Yeah, just doing stuff together, just being together, yeah. whatever it is, you know, just that yeah. that energy that comes with a relationship. He's managed to keep his quite young relationship, mm. is it about a year, with his girlfriend over time. Uh, she was in the north and due to lockdown, they were not able to see each other. So they kept that going. And then his summer's dream of goat herding in France um, with her and traveling, gone as well. So they're here. But do you think absence makes the heart grow fonder? Do you think dis- any tips for them for their long distance relationships, which may happen again and, and on and off mm. given college? I think they have put in some great groundwork because the best thing and most important thing about long distance relationships is keeping up I think the face to face online like the phone calls just not cutting it you know the text is nice and everything but it has to be face to face because what happens in face to face and I and I mean kind of like FaceTime like you're making the dinner and chop 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 do you know I, I'm always you know peeling the potato when I'm talking to somebody <laughs> I like that idea yeah so do you put a, pa- a tablet up and just let them stay with you while you I do- just have it on my phone so That's all they nice. see is potato peels yeah. <laughs> my mother go you're gonna chop your fingers off I like that that's lovely but so it's just actually <laughs> making them part of your life exactly it's in that day-to-day stuff that you make the connections and you you mightn't tell them if it's this big formal conversation so they've had really good training in kind of keeping that everyday conversation going there's no winning formula you, you have to be much more explicit in long distance relationship you have to be much more you know the rules have to be clear we are you know just the two of us or this is allowed or that's allowed and it needs to be there can be no kind of gray areas in a long distance relationship it's based on trust one thing that you talk about before is and this is really the spotlight has been on this i know it's on alex and darren in a small way but really they're flying it i think more for other couples maybe who have children together or mortgages together and have gone through a lot job wise and how what advice do you have for people who are put together who shouldn't be at the moment there's in they normally head off and have different day lives and they come back in the evening and they spend their weekends together now including the children home from school Mm -hmm. and they're going to be at home a long time six months before they go back to school 
any advice <laughs> for all the grey roots? How many days? For all the grey roots. And please take me back full time. Um, and all the roots, uh, the grey roots and the uh, tempered freight and the relationships, you're, you know, with yourself, but also with your significant other. I, I know it sounds odd, but I would bring back the humour <laughs> um, because it's, it's just going to be tough. I just think you can turn a situation. You know a relationship is actually in a good place when you find what the other person's saying is funny. When, mm. when you know you've said something and you're like, ah, crap, that was really funny. You, you're still there. You can, you can actually have a really good kind of, you can come back from whatever annoyance is there. It's flirty and it's fun. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's about just recognizing, turn back towards each other. You know, it's so easy, again, like within the family, just to kind of get at each other. But get off the, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I'm only talking about myself. Do you know, like, it, it's it's to actually say, do you know what, I can see you're actually having, it's, it's a lot on you as well. And I know it sounds a bit corny, but I do mean it. It's like checking in and saying, hey, do you want to head off for a 10-minute walk? Like, it's just... <laughs> Will they not go? I'll tell you what. Oh, no. You head off. No, I mean it in a really lovely loving way. way. Love I mean, and kindness. I mean it in... Yeah. They're just like, thank you. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, I just think it's basic small stuff in relationships that actually really heal. And what you're looking for is you're looking for good repair attempts. And good repair attempts are showing that you can see your partner's tired. You can see that your partner is actually having a crap day at work. You can see that they're kind of just the last drop has gone in mm. and they're full. Yeah. So it's just kind of, you know, it's actually turning towards each other and being like you would be at the beginning of a relationship and saying that I'm being kind. Love it. And I think that we can lose a sense of that. And then you just need the humor in a long-term relationship because you do know each other's faults and you do know what annoys each other. And it's, it just kind of, it, it helps. It's like oil. You know what I mean? It helps everything run a bit better. But right back to almost the beginning with that intimacy and yes. the getting to know. Exactly. And you know what? You were interested in each other. You asked, how was your day? You knew what was going on in the office. You had chats, you know. Um, so I'm not talking about big, long chats. I'm always about small amounts. Like if you could have that cup of coffee together, if you could go for a quick walk together, if you could, you know, get the kids, say, you guys, you know, tonight you're going to go to bed or if not, or one partner does it and then you had the night off. Do you know what I mean? It's small stuff, but God almighty does it make a big difference. So many people have had to give up flats, apartments, house shares and are moving back home. Elaine seems to be tackling it well. I live with my parents, probably like yourself, Sam. And like, yeah. that obviously has its challenges as well because we're used to an element of escapism where we can hop in the car and be like, bye, mum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's... yeah. While we're all at home and there was no time frame on when this would end. So we had to deal with this and I think we've learned so much about ourselves, about our own family. Um, and look, that's life when we have to just cohabitate together and, and deal with the daily stresses of, of you know, I, and I think sometimes we take the worst out in our family as well. You yeah, know? definitely. Any tips or advice for those people and the parents? Breathe. And pause and I loved what she said and it was so insightful 
that we take the worst out on the ones we love the most. So true. And that's the truth. And I don't know why people don't actually openly admit that. Mm. It's like there's a shame in it, you know. The reason you do that is because you know they love you. Yes. And they won't, well, they might kick you out. But yeah. if you're really bad, okay, don't be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just to be aware that it's so much easier to be bad and mad and sad <laughs> with the ones you love. And sometimes I think a useful tip is to think, how would I be with my friend? So treat them, <laughs> the loved one, as would you do that to your friend? Or, would you or, do it to your friend? Or, or just a stranger like a on the street? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like when you think about, you know, how people talk to each other sometimes behind closed doors, it's just make sure you're being civil. Yeah. Never mind the manners. Yes. We'll get to them. Yeah. Be civil. <laughs> be nice to each other. And, and it's because the patient's is frayed. Everyone's patience is frayed at the moment. It's because the public face is dropped and, you know, the tracksuit's on and it's just like, you know, game over. Um, But just bring back a sense of kind of, do you know what? This is my mom. I'm going to actually be respectful. This is my dad. I'm going to be respectful. And then the respect in turn will turn back because the hardest part are the dynamics. Because no matter what, your mom's going to treat you like a child, even (laughs) though you're an adult. But then you're going to probably start acting like a child. And then it just goes on and on and on and on. So the dynamics are so unbelievable. I suppose that's really the core of everything that's in my book. It's just, you know, really understanding why that look from your mother throws you into a total spin it's because it's old but if you can work on being in and having an adult relationship with your parents it's actually a really beautiful thing and I suppose the the thing you can bring back is and I suppose the really poignant part is we we've seen how horrifically hard it has been on on older people Mm. and how it savaged them um, and so many people did lose their lives and I think it perhaps has made us aware that our parents are not going to be here forever. So in that moment when they're driving you crazy, maybe that's just a genuine way of going, I'm actually really lucky. You know, in other countries, people don't go back and live with their parents. Like we are a very unusual country. We're, we are, really are a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. Do you know, not, not every parent would take their kids back. <laughs> True. And we're such a family oriented society and culture But I think if we can bring an appreciation back to that our lives are finite and God almighty, things can come out of nowhere, but that's life. Life is uncertain. Life is chaotic. But if we can kind of pull in and say, do you know what? I love my parents. I love my siblings. That one drives me crazy, but I still love them anyway. You know, this friendship actually doesn't mean that much to me anymore. It was a little bit, I don't know. It could be toxic or not fake fake Mm -hmm. or all this thing. I think everything's become really clear. When we know better, we do better. Is that Oprah that says that? Or Eckhart Tolle, when we we know better, we do. It was Maya Angelou, was it, that Mm. Oprah took it from. But when we know better, we do better. And you're right. We can be the change that changes the dynamic. So when our parents see that we don't react in a certain way um, to something, then they will treat us then not as, they don't need to worry they can relax and see, I see an adult before me. Totally. I think that's a hug for anyone listening who has gone through a tough time. Mm. Um, and we all have in some ways to say we are a great country and we are good people and we are family people and we are real. And do you know what else? Mm. We're really funny. 
Here we are so funny. We're really funny. And, and, and how you can sort any problem out in an Irish household. Dark humour. It's just the blacker the better. Like, you just rip each other apart. Um, with good intent. And you can sort so much. Better. Yeah, I love it. You know? I love how you say that so deadpan. Seriously. Typical Irish Summer is an original podcast produced by Paul Moriarty. 